0: Now we're to 1 Samuel, chapter 21 and 22, we're touching it. Just turn to open at chapter 21. We're preaching about David this morning, and we need to remember this when we come to the life of David. It's very helpful to to separate his long life into three parts or three sections. I find that doing that helps me when I go to study and preach from it. First of all, there's his former years, the former years when he, as a boy, shepherded his father's sheep on the hills of Bethlehem, his former years when he slew Goliath in the Valley of Elah, and his former years when he served and entertained the king in the royal courts at Jerusalem. Those are some of the highlights from his early years. Secondly, there's his fugitive years. And some think there were about 11 years when he was hunted across the mountains by Saul who tried to kill him many times. And he abode in the caves and in the rocks and in the hills of the wild goats, it says he abode. Those are his fugitive years. And then there's his final years, when he was crowned king at Hebron, when he got victory over his enemies, when he brought back the ark to Jerusalem, and when he handed a united country over eventually to his son Solomon. We're breaking in here today, this morning, in the beginning of his fugitive years, just before he, or just as he goes out into a decade of exile, and he's on the run, and he's a young man, and it's not good what we're going to read. And so we're at First Samuel 21 and verse 10. For fear of Saul he ran, and David arose and fled. That day for the fear of Saul, and went to Achish, king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousand? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let a spittle fall down upon his bear. Then said Achish unto the servants, now note how many times he says, Madman Lo, ye see, this man is mad. What have ye brought him to me for? Have I need of madmen that ye brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down hither to him. And every one that was in distress and every one that was in debt and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and there were with him about four hundred men. We know the Lord will bless to us the reading of his word. What was it that provoked and caused David, young David, a man after God's own heart, called and anointed and filled with the Spirit of God, what was it that provoked him to flee into the territory of the Philistines. In the early verses we see he begged bread of them. And then he lied. And then he screamed and covered his face with spittle and banged and battered at the doors and the gates of the Philistine king. And he faked and he pretended that he was mad. And three times the old king certified him as mad, away with this fellow, I've enough trouble without madmen coming near me. The king-in-waiting, God's servant-in-waiting, has gone mad. As we would say today, he lost the plot. And we would have instead been saying today, get this man away, as they have said here. Get him sectioned. Get into the house and lock your doors and keep your children safe. Gadara! But wait a minute. Do you not know who this man is? His wife is King Saul's daughter, Princess Mishael. His best friend is the king's son, Jonathan. This fool with his bare hands killed a lion and a bear and a giant and a field full of Philistines, a hundred Philistines with his own hands. This man is shortlisted for the king of Israel. A few days before, thousands of people lined the streets and sang praises to him. Saul has slain his thousand. David has slain his ten thousands. Not many praising him now. There's not many singing to him now, apart from the Philistines. How do you think the four brothers that he had the stones for belonging to Goliath, how do you think they did? How do you think they'd lead and cheered and danced? One of the five Psalms he wrote at this time. And in this very area, he wrote five Psalms, Psalm 56, 57, 34, and 142. In Psalm 142, he wrote this. I looked on my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, there was no place to hide. No man cared for my soul. In Psalm 57, he wrote this, My soul is among lions. Their teeth are like spears. Their tongues are a sharp sword. Oh, how could our heart not bleed for this teenage? How hard we would be if we can't feel has something that he must have felt. What a fall from grace. What a dark hour for the man whose throne was going to be a seat and whose world who, who, whose world was at his feet, handsome, courageous, gifted. What a disappointment to old Jesse and his mother and his brother. And greater still, what a disappointment to God that selected him and Samuel who found him and Jonathan who loved him. But I say to you this morning that him that thinketh he stands take heed lest he fall. And parents don't get too cock a hoop about your children because you don't know what way they're going to turn out. And they may be very promising to you this morning, but it could end like this and worse. Oh, if only we could see this young man duking and hiding and limping and weeping, like the prodigal as he flees, back to Bethlehem and into the cave of Adullam, into that long, dark cave. Alone, at the beginning, alone. There's many a teenager alone today, you know. There's many as a teenager, and you wouldn't know this morning, some of you parents, there's many as a teenager, for he was only a teenager and they're in a tight corner this morning, and you might might be your son and you don't know it. How sad this was. I have two points this morning that I want to make in regard to this story. First of all, I want to give you the source the source of his problem. And then I want to give you the solution to his problem. And I want to apply it to each of us this morning. Now you watch this very carefully. The source of his problem is found in verse 10. And David arose and fled that day they for fear of Saul. And in verse twelve, and David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid. Fear. As he fed the fear it grew. You see it got worse. He it became he became exceedingly so gripped possessed with fear. Now fear is a spirit and you can't handle a spirit. Only God can. Fear is a spirit and it is an evil spirit, not of God. Paul tells that to young Timothy, who was gripped at times with fear. Brought up in the Word of God, godly mother and grandmother, a pastor and a preacher, he was gripped at times with fear. You fear full of time? You wouldn't be honest if you didn't say, if you said no. Remember, he said to Timothy, Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear. It's not of God. And to young David, God has not given him the spirit of fear. But what he said to Timothy is God has not given you the spirit of fear, but what he has given to you is power. Power. Dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite. Power. And he has given you love. And he has given you a sound mind. Not to be tinkering and capering like this. I tell you, my friend, when a man or woman loses the anointing and loses that power in their life, anything can happen. (laughs) Once he stepped out of the place of God, the place where God had set him, there was trials, there was troubles, they were trying to kill him, but God had put him there. And once we are moved with fear out of the place of the anointing, out of the place where God has set us and called us to be, then we're in trouble. So be very careful now when you make a move. Because the old spirit of fear can make you move. The spirit of fear can make you do things you don't want to do and go places you don't want to go. It's a spirit and it's an evil spirit and it's a wicked spirit and it's a controlling spirit It'll make you do things you don't want to do and go places you don't want to go and say things that you don't need to say and you don't want to say and you shouldn't say. Do you know what he said? He said, I'm going to perish someday at the hands of Saul. No, he's not, because God promised him he'd be on the throne. Was he right to say no man cared for my soul? Samuel cared for him. Jonathan cared for him. God cared for him. And maybe you're having a pity party this morning or some of these days and you think nobody cares for me. God cares for your son. And he loves you. Sent a son to die for you and your mother loves you and your father loves you. Don't be at that trade. Every time... And his wife loved him because it said that, that Michael loved him. So just sit up this morning. Stop your pitying part. There's trials and there's storms and there's battles going on everywhere and we will have to face them. We have to stand. We can't run. Don't let fear chase you this morning. Don't let this old devilish power of fear gripped you this morning. And I don't know what I'm, who I'm ministering to this morning, and I don't know what's going on in your life. But you can blame it on something else you're moving. It might not be something else. It might be just what I'm speaking about. Every time fear comes, it needs to be rebuked. Do you hear that now? And if you don't rebuke that spirit of fear that comes into your mind and into your life, let me tell you this, it'll control you. God knows where you'll end. And I say to you this morning, if you're a believer this morning, you need to rebuke. Spirits need to be rebuked. Physically, we can't handle them. Physically, we can't touch them. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If Abraham would have rebuked the spirit of fear, because we're told it was fear, drove him out of the path of God down into Egypt, and he told lies and brought back Hagar, he should never have moved and he should never have brought her back and we're suffering from it today even this very hour in Palestine. Nehemiah had it right when Nehemiah said when they cornered him and tried to get him ten times down he said, So such a man as I flee. No, he rebuked that spirit. If Gideon and his father would have rebuked it, they wouldn't have been up on the hills clarking after bits of corn and fear of the Amalekites. If Elijah would have rebuked it when that painted Jezebel came at him, if he would have rebuked her, he wouldn't have been under the juniper tree wanting to die. You rebuke that fear now. Fear not the doctor's appointment tomorrow. Just before I came out of the study there I had a text from someone who's summoned back into the cancer ward tomorrow morning and I would know the fears gripped her. And I said, You listen to the message that I'm preaching on in twenty minutes time. Don't you fear the doctor's appointment tomorrow? sister don't you fear the results of the test that comes on wednesday don't you fear your child's health or your child's schooling maybe not mature in the way that you do? don't you fear that That's the devil Fear not or be afraid. There's more of us than there is of them. We're on the winning side. Hallelujah. Take heed and be quiet and fear not. Never be faint-hearted. Fear not, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. God never meant meant his people to be gripped with fear. The source of the problem was fear. And I tell you, when it moved, David, it'll move you. And moved Elijah, it'll move you. And Abram, it'll move you. Secondly, and the last point I have, the solution to the problem was to flee. Flee. Chapter 22 and verse 1, look at what it says. David therefore departed thence. Now I want you to stop a wee moment. That word departed is a mighty word, it means to run away screaming. And if you want to, the reference to that is number three, two, one, three in Strong's accordance. If you think that I am saying something, number three, two, one, three. Look it up in Strong's Concordance, and you'll find it. Concordant. It means to depart and run away, flee, and say something and yelling. This is the word used in Micah 2 in verse 10 where it says, God says, Arise ye and depart and flee away, for this is not your rest. In other words, there's no rest for your soul here. For this is not your rest, it is polluted and it will destroy you with sore destruction. I want to speak a wee word from my heart this morning to those who are not saved in this meeting and wherever you would be listening to me if you're still in your sins. The cave of Dullam was the largest of all the caves in the land of Israel. It was part of the valley of Elah where David slew Goliath. They tell me that it could accommodate up unto a thousand people. The word "adullam" means refuge. Refuge. Now listen to him in one of the psalms that he penned at this time. Oh God, be merciful for me, for my soul trusteth in thee in the shadow of thy wings. I'll take refuge until the calamities are overpassed. That word calamities is the word used for the tribulation when the world is in tribulation. Now what am I trying to say here, or what is the Word of God trying to say to you? The Word of the God is trying to say to you, sinner, this morning. He's telling you to run, screaming, yelling, as fast as you get into refuge. You hear that? Just as the door of the ark was opened and Noah and the family went in and the door was shut. Just as Lot and his family moved out towards towards Zor when the sun was shining over of, of out of Sodom and Gomorrah God was going to destroy it and burn it up in flame. Flee man, flee! I say to you, flee this morning. Flee to the only place of refuge. Flee, young man this morning, young woman this morning. Flee to the cross. Flee to Calvary. Flee to Christ as fast as you can go, for this may be your last opportunity. Here's what he penned again at this time. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard me. And he delivered me out of all my fears. I cried unto the Lord and said, Thou art my refuge. Can you see this man, David, this young man, repentance and tears and fleeing and running away from the sin? I say to you, rise up by faith. Weeping and screaming, if you have to, to the heavenly refuge where your sins are forgiven and peace with God and the fear will be lifted and the burden's gone. Will you come this morning? It says David escaped. How will you escape if you need lack like so great salvation? You know, a couple of years ago there, there was fires in California. <clears throat> Liquid fire, they said, it was came down the road fa- as fast as it, fa- faster than men could run. And when men and women and children were running down, they could see the flame coming after them and catching up on them. <clears throat> and they jumped and they ran down into the sea. And some were destroyed, some were burnt up, they were barbecued on the road. <clears throat> I tell you, it's going to be worse for you sinner if you die in your sins. For well, you'll be in not into the sea, but you'll be into a lake of fire. You'll be running from fire into fire. God help you. I want to speak to the children of God this morning. There's some of you who would need to flee too. There's some of you listening out there to me this morning and you would support all these that are voting to kill our children. Well, I want to say to you, it's time that you began to flee from such God is angry I say to you, flee from that old dead apostate, prayerless, godless church that you're in. Flee from that damnable denomination that's damning souls every day. Flee from the stained glass windows and the ornate buildings and the sacraments and the founts and the incense and the altars. Flee! Flee! Flee from amongst the abortionists. Flee from amongst the Sodomites. Flee from the kingdom of Saul. Flee from this old dead kingdom. Saul was finished. He had lost the anointing and he didn't know it and he was still carrying on. I'll tell you there's thousands of ministers, hundreds of ministers, and they're carrying on this morning and they lost anointing. They never had anointing Anyway. David had the anointing and he couldn't get into business. Saul had the anointing, he wouldn't go out. You're going to see as I close here this morning that there were 400 men, 400 men who were sick of it. And I'll tell you something else. David's own Look at verse 1 of chapter 22. David therefore escaped and departed thanks and escaped to the cave of Dullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. His, his father's house. That was his 11 brothers who just a, few, a week or two before that criticized him, mocked him when he went to slay Goliath. But you see, they're beginning to see now that doesn't matter about what David has done. It doesn't matter if him playing the fool. It doesn't matter what he has done. This man has truth. We're tired of Saul. He's sitting under a tree here, if you read on down. He's lost the anointing. He's duking and hiding. And only for David, only for David killing Goliath, they would have been all slain. And these 400 men knew it. If it were not for David... So David runs to the cave of Dullam. There was no name on the cave of Dullam. There was no denominational name on the cave of Dullam. There was no pastor in the cave of Dullam. There was no doctors in the cave of Dullam. It was just a refuge where they could run and hide. I tell you, days coming in our land when people will be glad to flee to places like this. And God showed me that 30 years ago. They'll be glad to flee into where the people of God are, and where the word has been preached and when the power has been released and where their children are safe. And that's what's happening here. Place of refuge, no tags, no name. No creed. No spires. Just into an old dark cave way down in the heart of the earth. But there were 400 of them all of one accord and the whole family were all of one accord now. But look at the type of people that came. You wouldn't want any of these boys about you. Look, Look at them. Every, verse to everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented. What a motley crowd of boys to have around you. Those are the boys to have around you. Do you know why? Do you know why? You'll be able to work with these men. You'll be able to teach these men. These men have been through it all. They're humbled and they're broken. They're in debt. Do you know who they were in debt to? They were in debt to David because he slew Goliath and the Philistines would have wiped them out. You're in debt this morning to a greater than David. David. We are debtors this morning to the Son of God, David's greater son, the one who died on the cross and shed his blood. They were distressed. Why would they, be? Why would they not be? And discontented. There's a queer lot of discontented Christians and churches today, let me sp- tell you this morning. And it's time that they fled. You know yourself, you were discontented, some of you, for years. But you took the plunge. You took the step. You fled to the cave. You fled to where the people of God were and where the word was being taught and where prayer was made and where God blesses Four hundred I want to close it, and time's gone. I want to make a point. This is where they gathered unto him. Look at that in verse twenty two This whole crowd, four hundred all his family, and all his father's house heard it, but David had led the way, and he went into the cave, all heard it, and they went down thither him. Now watch the word him. You have it again in verse two that the that and discontented and they gathered themselves onto him. And there was with him in verse two at the end of it four hundred men. So what am I saying? I'm saying this there was a gathering unto him onto the captain, onto David. That's what we're going to do now in a minute. We're going to gather onto him. That's what this is about. And that's what we're doing in a sense this morning. We're gathering onto him. And one day we're going to be all gathered onto him because he's going to take us out and we're going to gather onto him in the glory. What a gathering that will be. So they all got gathered unto him. The first message that I ever preached, and I'm closing now in a minute, the first message that ever I preached, the first Sunday morning 32 years ago when we had a morning meeting, the first message I preached was Psalm 50 and verse 5. Here's it is. He shall call from the heavens above to the earth. He shall call together his saints together Onto him that made a covenant or sacrifice. So he's calling from heaven this morning to some sinner. He's calling from heaven this morning to some backslider. He's calling from heaven this morning for some saint of God who is not in the place that they should be. And he's calling from heaven this morning to gather. Come back. Come back to him. Come now. Come this morning. Come and fall at the feet of the captain. David took these discontented, these boys in debt, these boys in distress. He turned them into his mighty men. He taught their hands to war and he taught their fingers to fight. And they could hit a, they could hit a mile, they could fling a stone within a hair's breadth of its target. He, he trained them for battle. And we need to be trained for the battle that's coming. And I tell you, I've told you where it's coming from. Oh, can I make a plea to you, please. Please gather yourself on Wednesday night and Monday night. Gather yourself into the cave with the people of God and cry to God. Do you see what he will do? Leave behind those things that hinder you and keep you back. These men didn't think any worse of David because of his capering and carrying on. There was forgiveness. And that wasn't the first time he went down. He went down again and down again, and you'll go down again too. But rise up this morning and gather together unto him. And God will bless you. And may God bless his word this morning.